Hello everyone, I'm Izzy Wells and welcome to Hot Stuff, where we discuss current hot topics that we think deserve your attention. From social issues to popular culture, we'll be keeping you up to date on relevant and unique Taiwan-related content every Tuesday. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Alexis Liao. Alexis has over 20 years of experience in digital marketing, sales and business development. She has worked with companies such as British Telecom, Google and multi-billion dollar American payment processing company, WildPay. In 2018, Alexis made the big decision to move to Taiwan and is currently the global marketing and business development lead at Taiwanese company Frontier, an AI-powered digitization solution for the fashion and textile industries. Welcome, Alexis. Hello, it's great to be here. I'm super excited to hear your insights into digital marketing, AI technology and the fashion and textiles industry in Taiwan. But first, let's get to know you a bit um, and hear about your experience of working in Taiwan. Okay. Yeah, so take me back to 2018. Uh, what made you want to move to Taiwan? Okay, so I originally came to Taiwan over 10 years ago uh, for one year. And like a lot of us here, I fell in love with the place, the people, um, the scenery and the food. I know it sounds super cliche. <laughs> um, so when I returned back to the UK after this initial year, I promised myself that one day I would return back to Taiwan to live. And well, here I am, five years and counting. Um, my husband, who's Taiwanese, and I have just bought a house. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and we had a little baby boy in November he's last year. Very, so very, very cute. Yes, I've just seen I, pictures. He's wonderful. <laughs> so I am here to stay. Amazing. And um, what were some of the challenges you faced when you first moved here? Obviously, like Taiwan's very different to the UK and we're both we're both from the UK yes. so I'm sure we had some similar kind of experiences similar challenges I what bet. were some of those that you faced I think the major challenge for me was the language barrier and that is a hundred percent on me I'm still learning now and I don't expect people to speak English with me it's my problem um, but I'm really happy when they do I must say <laughs> I do appreciate it the guys in my office they all speak English to me yeah and I feel so guilty because my Chinese is I, I can order a coffee I can get from A to B but mm -hmm. that's that's where it ends so I do really appreciate the the effort that they put into yeah. to speak English with me would you recommend it to someone who's maybe thinking about moving to a new country to work, you know, perhaps Taiwan. Are you very happy with that decision? Yes, do it. Absolutely mm. do it, 100%. My philosophy is it's much better to regret something that you've done than to regret something that you didn't do. I wouldn't like to get to like 70 or 80 years old thinking, I wonder what it, what would have happened if I'd have moved to Taiwan? Would I, would I have enjoyed my life there? I, yeah. I wouldn't like to get to that situation, but I must stress anyone considering moving abroad should do their due diligence first mm. um, make sure they've got an idea of what they're getting themselves into <laughs> um, do the research join mm. the groups on Facebook um, speak to people that are living mm. here right now do you have any other like tips and advice maybe for someone just starting out on a career or you know they think oh yeah okay I'm, I want to work in sales and marketing mm. do you have any tips that you would maybe tell your younger self or like these other people yes never stop <laughs> learning mm. definitely although I've been doing this for a very very long time I'm not an expert 
Um, and I think people who claim to be experts are talking absolute nonsense. Every day <laughs> is a school day. And especially in marketing, techniques and, and strategies and best practices, they change all the time. Um, mm. As algorithms change, you've got to keep up with it. You can't always rely on strategies of the past. So, mm. um, yeah, keep learning, um, stay on the ball, do, do lots of research. Let's jump into like marketing. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm interested to know as well because obviously we are both British and we're mm. both now we're living in Taiwan. Yes. Now, what are some of the differences that you would say like companies, brands, they're trying to enter the Taiwanese market or you know Taiwanese companies trying to enter the foreign market, which is probably what there's more of. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to these brands? I think if a brand is considering um, selling to or marketing to Taiwan, I, I think my advice would be to find a local partner mm. uh, who's already here, feet on the street, um, to serve as an agent or mm. a distributor, depending on you know the, the product or service that you're selling. Uh, I think agents and, and distributors are the most common kind of like partnerships that foreign companies can use to to get their foot in the door. Um, it's not easy. Um, Taiwan is very unique. Um, you can't, you know, market or sell to a Taiwanese firm in the same way that you would do to like a British firm or an American firm. I mean, even uh, the UK and the US, the way that we speak to, um, articulate products, describe things is totally different. Even though both of these companies are English, uh, countries are English speaking, Mm. the methods and techniques that one would use to sell to a, a British company is so different to a, a US company. So it's not mm. easy. So I think, yeah, definitely get somebody, make um, form relationships with people that are already here to get the insights mm. and, and then try and get in that way. I think just to go in blind would, would be disastrous. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that goes both ways as well, sure. whether you're marketing out or yeah, marketing Yeah, so having that in. like local partner. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that brings us on then. Are there any obvious differences that you've kind of noticed about um, how brands approach marketing in the UK and how they approach it in Taiwan? Mm, Yeah, the the differences are quite wild, actually. Um, (laughs) I I think Taiwanese advertising and marketing approaches aren't as mature Mm -hmm. um, as they are in the UK. Um, For Taiwanese firms to, to succeed when entering foreign markets, they've got to invest in international marketing talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, something as simple as hiring um, a native English speaker to just give the content on the website a once over. The, the, the amount of people that will bounce off a website if the English is poor Mm. Is, is really, really high. And you wouldn't want to lose somebody in those, you know, those first few seconds, which are so mm. valuable, so important to, to have this great impression. Um, and I think that the best way forward is to just make that investment, get an English speaker on board mm. who can not just correct the spelling, but it's all about the flow 
you know, how sentences flow. It, it's difficult. It's not just about getting the words in the right order. The meaning needs to be there. And just, you know, very subtle nuances can make all the difference. Sure. Um, and, and it will increase trust. Um, and I think Taiwanese companies, like I say, they, they've got to understand that marketing techniques that work for a Taiwanese audience aren't going to work with like a French audience or, or an American audience. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Taiwanese um, ads on the TV where we've got all these loud noises and colors and pop up cute, cute things like teddy bears and all this. Yeah. I can't imagine seeing that, you <laughs> know, on the it would just wouldn't work. You no, think what on earth is this? And because we're we're totally different and, and it really works in Taiwan, but to a more reserved um, for want of a, a better word, a reserved nationality or person or whatever, mm. it's it wouldn't work. Mm. So it, yeah, definitely invest yeah. in in international talent. So more on the kind of global digital marketing strategies. You wrote a really good article on localization um, mm. on LinkedIn. Mm. Now, could you explain to our listeners what localization is? Yeah, of course. So in a nutshell localization is the process of tweaking and tailoring content or products or services to a particular market mm. um, and localization it can even involve changes subtle stuff like the changes of a you know color on a website uh, a different font a ui or a design or different types of payment options mm. uh, that the lists are endless and um, so by localizing content for a particular market meanings are adjusted as well to make them easy to understand and more relevant and to um, make people think and make sure. people want to buy you know mm. why why is it so important that brands do this it's really important it's critical um, because it forges personal connections with your prospective clients um, it's because the process of, of localization it requires understanding about culture and market factors that affect consumer buying decisions it helps with building trust uh, the user experience which is really really important because as I mentioned earlier on you do something wrong now it's everywhere trust pilot reviews Facebook it's not like it used to be just moaning in the pub to your mate <laughs> oh I had a terrible time with XYZ company yeah. you know you've got to get it right see a bad tweet and you know oh it, you know yeah. it's really damaging yeah. so it helps with like um, building trust and ultimately it expands your brand's um, consumer base so how can uh, brands implement this successfully? Okay, so they've got to perform extensive research mm -hmm. uh, to gain insights about the particular market. Again, work with the locals. You know, that, that's where it's at. Collaborate with local influencers. Uh, brands have also got to understand the difference between localization, localization and translation. Yeah. It's very different. And a lot of people think it's the same, but localization, it runs way deeper than that. I would um, work with the local people sure. and, mm. and get their true voice. And um, any, we're now in 2023. Yes, time is <laughs> flying year, by. Time is flying. Yes. Any predictions for the future of the marketing landscape in kind of Taiwan or even globally? Mm, yeah, definitely. So I think the pandemic um, changed the way that we work as marketers and salespeople forever. Um, in particular, social media during the pandemic experienced ridiculous growth 
um, there were some analysts at Facebook that reported a 50% increase in messaging activity um, in in the March of 2020, just when it started kicking off. Uh, WhatsApp had a 40% uh, usage increase. Zoom experienced massive growth, wow, as you can yeah. imagine. Yeah. Everything is now online. Um, meetings. Um, TikTok downloads increased by 5% in the March of 2020 compared to the previous month. So the pandemic has positioned social media marketing in particular mm. as the real core, like the, the hub of a, a company's outreach strategy. And it's become a super effective way to market, especially mm. during a global crisis. And I think this trend is set to continue and companies really must have a, a strong, robust online presence that speaks directly to its customers. Um, the metaverse, uh, you know, it's been, uh, this word's been chucked around yeah. for some time now. Um, <laughs> Can you mind explaining a bit what the metaverse Or the, the metaverse, um, it's it not a new thing. You might think it's new because, you know, it's been announced by Mr. Zuckerberg <laughs> that they're changing the name to, to meta. Yeah, meta. And, mm. Yes, but actually, the first mention of any kind of metaverse, which is a portmanteau of meta and universe, can be traced all the way back to 1992. Wow. Um, there's a, a chap called Neil Stevenson who had a dystopian cyberpunk novel called Snow Crash, and that was the first time there was any kind of uh, talk of a metaverse. So the concept of an immersive digital reality, which is independent from the physical world, can be traced back even further, all the way back to the video games of the the nineteen eighties. So it's like, so a, yeah, mm. it's a, it's like a um, a non physical world, uh, and it's having a massive impact uh, on on the way we do things as as marketers as well. Um, it's having a big impact on the landscape. Mm. So b because we've got all these advancements and evolutions of technologies like AR and VR. Um, customers or potential customers can now immerse themselves in like limitless alternate worlds, allowing them to see brands and, and products and services that are both known and unknown from a totally different angle now. So I feel the metaverse um, is ideal for like marketing and, and sales um, because it's in interactive, there are interactive capabilities mm. and it's a brand new shopping experience. So, for example, customers can enter like a virtual store, like a virtual makeup store yeah. and see products as if they were really there. Um, metaverse related digital marketing and non-marketing jobs as well are going to be highly sought after in the future because I think it's going to be a massive thing. There's been so much investment into it. Um, Zuckerberg has invested like millions and millions in, into mm. the metaverse. So it's, it's a lot. It's, it's, the, it's the future? It yeah. is absolutely <laughs> the future. Um, so it's worth learning developing and gaining new skill sets for this inevitable yeah. boom like employment wise definitely okay so now let's talk about um sustainability and ai artificial intelligence in fashion and this is something that I think a lot of people are talking about recently because, mm. um, you know, just with climate change and everything, yes. everyone's trying to be um, more sustainable. Mm. And especially when it comes to like clothing, like that's a huge thing. And I think I've seen a lot of conversations about it on social media, mm. like a lot more people buying secondhand yes. and kind of things like that. And then AI, mm. super like futuristic. Yes. 
Can you then just remind our listeners of your current role and what is it that the company you work for does? Because it's sure. AI related, right? It's absolutely AI. <laughs> That's the, the core of our business. So I work for Frontier mm-hmm. and I predominantly deal with their global business development. <clears throat> I also assist with like marketing related stuff because of my experience. I wear many, many hats uh, <laughs> in the company. So Frontier is a, a SaaS uh, company, which is software as a service. And our textile cloud platform what it does it enables anyone to digitize fabric materials using a regular you know flatbed scanner by Mm. themselves regardless of who they are or where they are where they're located and when I say digitize it means creating a digital version of that fabric a digital twin if you like so we help the fashion and textile industries to collaborate, communicate, uh, enable them to be as sustainable as possible. Wow, mm. that's pretty it's cool. It's very interesting, <laughs> yes. So, and how do they exactly use Frontier? How do you guys exactly use the AI technology? Okay, so we've got our own proprietary AI. Um, mm-hmm. So how it works, um, the user, no matter who they are, scans their material, uh, their fabric swatch, like mm-hmm. denim, for example, using the flatbed scanner. They send it to our cloud-based platform via a unique um, textile.cloud email address, which we give everybody. And our cutting-edge AI and machine learning technology transforms that 2D image into a 4D ready digital twin, which Mm. includes the the fabric specification, the AI generated metadata or maps. Um, So this makes sure that the digital material looks as realistic as possible. Um, It's really cool. It also includes the physical properties, which makes the the fabric move like as as, uh, realistically as possible when you put it on a 3D model, for example. And then we've got this fourth level of data, which includes um, like fabric certifications, country of origin information, production capabilities, even costing information. Based on a few user inputs, we can also generate ready-to-view environmental impact data as well. So you can see an estimate of the impact that that fabric has had on the environment, like the land use, the water consumption, the CO2 emissions. It's really incredible. And all of this data can then be downloaded within just a couple of minutes And then that file can be plugged straight into future applications like 3D design software, uh, PLM systems, ERP, e-commerce. It's really incredible. It's mind-blowing, actually. Yeah, no, it really, it sounds super advanced. It is, yeah. yeah. And it sounds like it's also, we're talking about this kind of sustainability conversation. What are the benefits of kind of using AI in the fashion and textile uh, industries okay so we've had this traditional process where brands will send their sample requests Mm. to their suppliers and physical samples these swatches need to be shipped backwards and forwards um so uh, to the brands um via like conventional methods like fedex or or dhl for example Mm. and then we've got this common digital process now uh, where there is an element of digitization uh, which is usually like a third-party scanning hub or scanning center Mm. but the shipping part still remains we've still got this back and forth and you know shipping materials ain't good for the environment you know um so our ai um aims to reduce or even eliminate manual processes and shipping 
physical fabrics uh, back and forth getting rid of the the bad practices like all this shipping Mm. um to be as sustainable as possible and 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 super convenient very very convenient and very quick um if you imagine from scanning to having that downloadable u3m file u3ma file it's three Mm. three to five minutes Mm. if you imagine how how much time it would take to send and mess around and then send back it's incredible yeah yeah and um, so obviously good for sustainability and what else can kind of fashion industries do to work towards a more sustainable future? Do you think it's in AI? Um, are there other ways? Yeah, mm. what are your thoughts? No, I think that, um, well, we all know that the fashion and, and textile industries are under the microscope, especially now. Mm. So sustainability and complete transparency um, are, are critical. And unfortunately, right now, these brands, they're really struggling to meet their um, sustainability goals because there's just a lack of readily available scientifically backed data across their supply chain. So I think for greater transparency, these fashion brands must increase their focus on traceability through their supply chains, mm-hmm. um, which will help them to address the demands of like regulators and investors and consumers. Um, and having access to environmental impact data, such as the, the data that we can provide at Frontier, is crucial. Um, it's safe to say that most brands and designers and suppliers aren't aware of the data needed to perform calculations accurately. Um, so now, inset decarbonisation is now reality instead of offsetting. So what what I mean by that is um, offsetting is where you cause a whole heap of damage and then plant a tree at the other side of the world to try and make up for it. Um, <laughs> it it's now it's no longer an afterthought um sustainable decision making can be done right at the beginning which is saving all the mess the damage and, and the planet yeah at the end of the day no, exactly <laughs> so do you think um ai is the future for the fashion and textile industries i think ai is not the future is now right. it, we're doing it now yeah yeah we're really disrupting the fashion and, and textile industries with this innovative um technology at frontier and if we think about it like the textile industry is so old so traditional um but since we've had this pandemic we've had to change the way that we work Do things, yeah. yeah like di- digital workflows are now the norm mm. um people discussing business by zoom it's normal now it's mm. now it's happening um I think um, it's my prediction. So according to some research by scientists at the University of Oxford, AI is going to be better than humans at translating languages by 2024. Wow. Writing. <laughs> Don't say that. It's so crazy, right? <laughs> they say that it's going to be writing school essays by 2026, selling goods by 20, uh, 2031, writing Whoa. best-selling books by 2049, and conducting surgeries by 2053. Oh, my goodness. So I think the possibilities of AI are truly endless. endless. Yeah, and I hope, I really, really hope <laughs> that I can see what can be achieved during my lifetime. Alexa, thank you so much for coming in today. Uh, Before we go, where can our listeners find you online or some of your articles? I think LinkedIn's probably the Mm -hmm. best bet because my Instagram is just babies and food (laughs) and pictures of drinks. Um, So I think, yeah, LinkedIn. So that would be linkedin.com 
And my handle is Alexis Rebecca Liu. I'll just spell that. So it's A-L-E-X-I-S-R-E-B-E-C-C-A-L-I-U. Thank you so much again. You're more than welcome. <laughs> I've really enjoyed myself. Thanks for inviting me. You're listening to Hot Stuff with Izzy Wells. See you next week. <laughs>